We're going to continue this morning in worship, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, um, we, we've got this new series we've started called What If the Church, right? And the idea of the, the whole series is to ask questions about what if the church was maybe more like Jesus had thought it would be or expects it to be. Um, and we're all guilty. I'm, I'm the probably primary offender here of making church something it's not supposed to be, right? And so last week we talked about what the church mattered. Dan was correct. Apparently, Chris Roberts was paying attention when I preached last week. He said that Dan's answers were right. Uh, I couldn't remember. Um, and, and so, uh, but this week we're talking, uh, asking this question, what if the church uh, spoke plainly? Spoke plainly. I think it's kind of a funny thing to say, and this was actually the impetus for the whole series was this idea that sometimes I've found that um, we use churchy words. Do you ever find that to be the case around church? And I think that's kind of a funny thing. Um, in the Bible, I was doing, if you, if you, I, I encourage you always to do this, to read your Bible and to study your Bible, like to, to seek scripture, when, you know, in, in times of excitement, in times of difficulty. The word of God is living and active. Um, I mean, the word of God, Jesus Christ is living and active, but his inspired word, the Bible, is living and active as well. It cuts like a two-edged sword. I mean, it's, it's, it's great for us in our life to apply it. And one of the things you can do is you can really dig in, you know, pray, ask God, um, if you're having a hard time, he'll, he'll bring things to mind if you're studying scripture about things you can look at. And one of the things that I was blessed by was I was doing a word study one time. I was doing a Bible study, and I found this great word, and the word is yada, right? Uh, well, that's how it's pronounced. I mean, it's actually in Hebrew, and it's like hieroglyphics. Which I can't read Hebrew, unfortunately, but apparently it's pronounced yada, which I thought was funny because what's the saying? It's like what? Yada, 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 right? Yada, yada, yada. And so I thought, I'm like so excited. I'm like, there's an etymology. There's a fancy word for you. The etymology is where it has to be the Hebrew. And I started looking into it. Well, it turns out it's not. It's not probably. But what a cool thing because yada in Hebrew means knowledge, 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 right? Knowledge, 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 which is kind of funny to me because when I hear somebody say yada, 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 like the guy was giving me a lecture, yada, 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 I got a ticket. You know, I got pulled over and way to church today, by the way. So that was fun. Um, so I didn't get a ticket, <laughs> but, um, praise God. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so you get to, uh, there's this idea that, that we don't, we, ha- we don't have a lot of tolerance for this. And it's like, blah, 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 knowledge, 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 or whatever. Well, um, uh, today I'm going to share actually, um, first from first Corinthians before we jump in, I know it's probably a little off Kimber here, but we're going to roll through, um, and, and this is what Paul writes about knowledge, yada, yada, yada. You don't have to turn here. We're going to be a different passage today. But it's, Paul says this, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? I mean, that's a great verse to remember, that knowledge just puffs, yada, 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 puffs us up, but love builds up. And he says this, the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. Check out this verse. But whoever loves really knows. Whoever loves really knows. That's what Paul had written uh, in his letter to the church in Corinth. And we're going to be studying the book of Corinthians today, but the second book, the second letter of Corinthians to the church. As we do, I'm going to ask you to enter into uh, prayer with me that God would inspire us through his divine spirit uh, as we read his word. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be before you, um, just immersed in your presence, acknowledging you before all men, and, and claiming you as our own. Father, that we, we need you so desperately to come and to minister to us, to know us, uh, and to teach us to love each other well. And um, Father, for this time, we pray that you would help us to open our minds and hearts to you. Uh, I, I know you sense how bent away from you we are. I mean, really, how we're just 
heading the wrong way without you. And so today I ask that you would bring us back, draw us back to you, to your heart, to your purpose, and teach us who we are and who you are in us. And we will give you glory and praise this day and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I don't know if you guys have any favorite church words, you know, but I was thinking about it, and um, a couple came to mind for me. I'm going to kind of prime the pump, and if you have one, I'd love to hear it in a minute. But some of the words we use around church, they don't communicate well outside of church, right? Um, some of the words that come to mind for me are related to space. It's kind of funny. We meet in the middle school, right? Um, but one of the things is like a fellowship. You know, if you've ever heard the word fellowship, I always think like, you know, that always reminds me of like Lord of the Rings for some reason, you know, that's what it is, like, you know, Frodo, like I'm going to, you know, go to wherever you go with the ring. I don't know that movie that well. Or um, a vestibule, who knows what a vestibule is? Yeah, all right. <laughs> so that's funny, that's an that's a architectural saying, vestibule, you don't hear that very often out, outside, but you will hear it in church sometimes. There's another one much like it called chancel. Uh, I'm standing on the chancel, right? Um, and some other people would say, ironically, interestingly, some people would say, well, no, you're staying on the stage. And there are people who are like, that's not church language. We don't use stages in church. We used chancels, right? Um, church language, what does it mean? How about this one, the narthex? Who's heard the narthex before? Yeah, I know you have. I heard it with you. I was like, what's the narth? Meet me in the narthex. I'm like, I have no idea where I'm going, but I have to go to the narthex. That's what I have. Where is the narthex? I didn't know if it was in the building, out of the building. It was somewhere else in the state. I had no idea. Turns out it's where you've come into the building. <laughs> Who knew, right? And that's what I tell people, meet me in the narthex, and then giggling. <laughs> they don't know where that is. <laughs> Just go walk around and visit with people. Or are these words sanctuary? There's a word you hear sometimes in church. Come to the sanctuary. We try to unpack that a little bit to make it understandable. It's like a sacred or a holy place. But it becomes a language that maybe doesn't connect for people. Or, or, or even the word, someone this week, I was asking this question. I said, what words don't connect for you? And they said, worship. Doesn't connect for me. Because it just reminds me of all the stuff that doesn't mean God to me. Oh, I'd never heard that before. I would never guess that. If I was talking to someone who was a believer, I would say worship. And they would like, right on, I don't know what you're talking about. They would have not that same understanding about those words. Or here's some other ones about experience. I'll run through them. This is one of my favorites, my walk. How's your walk? I don't know, left, right? That's how mine is. You know what I mean? But you're out and, you know, you'd be out in public. You say, how's your walk, man? Well, I don't know. You know, how's yours? Oh, it's great. Jesus and I are doing great. Okay. We went out to Colorado uh, to be with my brother-in-law recently. And my daughter came back, and she was telling some friends so excitedly, my uncle got ordinated. <laughs> We're like, honey, he didn't get ordinated. Yes, he did at the ordination. He got ordinated. No, right? Ordination. Huh. And I think sometimes, by the way, in church, we feel like our, it's an opportunity to teach people how we speak. Okay? We, we should just explain to them what it means, and then, they're in, and then they can use the same language, right? Some of this language becomes exclusive, though. How about another one? Love offering. What's a love offering? Hmm. Or travel mercies. That's one I've heard. Travel mercies. Let's pray for travel mercies. Huh? Right? And it's funny. Is I wrote that down, and as soon as I did, I remembered a great book I read called Travel Mercies. I'm like, well, that's a great word. But because of the book, not because I had heard it used in church. 
Or another word like sanctuary called sanctification, right? I mean, what are some of yours? Do you have any favorite church words? Or, I mean, I'd say favorite. Either really seriously your favorite or not your favorite. The hedge of protection. May we all pray for bushes to grow around us. Quickly, Lord. I need it. Never mind the fact that Adam and Eve hid in the hedges. Never mind that. Lord, give us a hedge. Is that what it means? Is it really like a hedge? I don't know. Who's trimming those? Anyone else have any favorite church words? That was a good one, Stephanie. That was awesome. I forgot all about it. I don't want to make fun of this. For some people, it has great meaning and value, right? I mean, they're trying to communicate something very important, aren't we all? But for some folks, it's like, what does that mean? It becomes throwaway words or language that doesn't matter. Well, what if the church uh, spoke plainly? I'll, I'll share an experience I had with um, I'm going to share experience with you that I had earlier in my life. Um, I had been doing some things with some folks from church, and I'd been playing softball. It wasn't this church. It wasn't in this town. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but I was there. It was a miracle of God that I showed up. I was the guy that didn't belong in a church, and I was the guy that didn't belong hanging out with church people, right? Didn't make sense. I mean, I was out, and I was playing softball with some guys, and they invited me to come. You have to come to a service. Like, you have to come and hang out with us. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I'll come to your service. And I went. And this was like maybe in the 90s at some point, right? I was mid-college time. And I show up at this church service, and it was mostly men, which was cool. I'm like, that's cool. And then, and this is funny for us, listen to this now, because they um, ended up getting out one of those like third grade uh, overhead projector things that your teacher used to get out when you had to do homework. Remember those? With the light on, the lens refraction thing? And immediately I was turned, I was going, oh, wait, if we're going to do a test or if there's like taking notes or if I have to do something like that, I'm out. You know, I'm already starting to back up a little bit, like away from my friends. And then the dude up there is totally jamming out and he's like, let's worship. And I'm like, okay, right, let's worship. Then it's not a test. And then the guy gets up there and he's like, and he put the next slide up, okay, and it would be words. And these brothers, and I'm not, they were singing their hearts out. And I was just like, what is this? And I swear, God is my witness. I was like, this is so weird. Why, why did they bring me to this? I didn't get it. It didn't make no sense to me at all. And the guy was, and they were, and they were so excited. And the funny thing was, this was a contemporary worship service, which was revolutionary at the time. And they were so excited with this technology of slipping out these slides on the screens. You didn't have to open the books anymore and read them. It was so cool for them. And I was just like, I don't get it. It's like third grade. I didn't understand what was going on. And I wonder, and I tell you what, I'll confess this. I've had people say, what's up with the Christian karaoke? I've had people ask me that. I'm like, what do you mean? They go, you go to your service, I mean, this service, and like you put the words in the screens, like they don't quite light up as you sing them, but it's close, you know? Uh, and it's just all sing along, you know what I mean? And we went out the night at the football game, we had karaoke, and that's what happens. The crowd sings along. There's value in it, but do we ever wonder, are we communicating clearly? Well, today I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to the passage that we're going to spend some time in, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. This is Paul's letter again, second letter to the church in Corinth. And he's kind of writing them to straighten out some situations in their hearts, their wrong, their minds, their practice. And this is what he says to them in chapter 6, verse 1. 
As God's fellow workers, then, we urge you not to receive the gift of grace in vain. For he says, God says, in the time my favor, I, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. Paul says this, I tell you, now is the time for God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. Here's what Paul says next. Therefore, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry would not be discredited. Right? He says, we put no stumbling block in the way of anyone so that our ministry, our service, would not be discredited. And that means it's implied among you. Right? Now, now here's a funny church word. And this isn't something that we hear very often, but stumbling block. Right? I mean, he says, we put no stumbling block in front of you. Stumbling block is a biblical concept, and it's mentioned several times in Scripture. I was actually, um, I was actually traveling one time, and I get excited about the silliest stuff, you know? I'm, like, always checking out. I don't know. I just get excited. And I was getting on an airplane, and I, I was in one of those um, things, I don't know what they're called, that you're getting on the airplane with, that thing that you walk on to get on the airplane, not like in the movie where they, not the, not the stepladder thing like the Bluth company, but like the actual thing that connects. Do you know what I mean? To the, with the air conditioning. What is it called? A tunnel? A jetway? Is that what it's called? Wow. Cool. See? So I was on the jetway and I saw this awesome, uh, let's see if I can hit that. There we go. I saw this awesome sign over my head, Right? And I immediately, I got like luggage. I'm like trying to do too much carry on. I'm doing that whole thing. And I turned to my phone. I'm like, oh, I got like, a picture of this. Chris was with me. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got to get a picture. And I got this picture on my iPhone as I was walking through the jetway. Thanks, Lance, for that. And uh, this is what it is if you can't see it. It's some dude tripping. <laughs> like, ah, you know what I mean? And I thought, that's awesome because that's a stumbling block. Like, that's literally a stumbling block. And by the way, if you didn't know it, those are built into the jetway, stumbling blocks, right? Um, and it's actually a caution. It's a warning. It's in that little lighted tunnel you're going through. Be careful. There's stumbling blocks, okay? And I thought, man, that's like the church, right? I mean, how much stuff is like that where you come to the door and you're just like, and you're like, what? And what happens? Now, let me ask you this. Okay, if you don't have the sign, if you don't, I don't know what the sign's even for, because once you tripped, you're kind of like, really? You know, I mean, I guess it's there to warn you not to trip, or maybe people trip on purpose at that point. I don't know. Maybe it's a legal issue. But what happens after you trip over something like that? And you look back? What do you do? You say, somebody ought to fix that, don't you? Or you just do it yourself. You ever tripped over a rug going through a door and you just stop and turn around and you straighten it out because you want no one else to trip over that, right, coming in. When you hit a stumbling block, you think no one else should trip on that anymore. That should be repaired. Matter of fact, this sign really shouldn't be required, right? Why is they building these things into the jetway? Just take it out. Remove the stumbling block. You don't have to put a sign up anymore. That's what it seems like sometimes to be in the church. We see things and we go, someone should remove that. Why is that here? What is Paul saying when he says we should put no stumbling block in your way? We will put no stumbling block in, listen to the word, 
anyone's way so that our ministry will not be discredited. What is he talking about? But see, the truth is that Paul knew and we know that there's already a big problem with us coming to church. And that's this. We have to come to the door acknowledging that we are sinners. Right? There's a word. Somebody might say, get rid of the word of sin. That'll make it easier to get people in the door. But we have to come through acknowledging that we have screwed up, that we have missed the mark, that we are off target, that we are not doing it right when we come in. And Paul knew that when you come in the door that way, you already have a big problem. You're going to trip over yourself coming in because that in itself is going to be a stumbling block for you to come through that way. Paul, I want to share uh, this passage from you. And I think I have it on here. Yeah, I do. Um, this is what Paul said to the church in the first letter to the Cor- Corinth. He said this. He said, Jews demand miraculous signs, and we, uh, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and he calls it foolishness to Gentiles. I mean, Paul, in his first letter to Corinth, he says, when, when we're preaching the gospel, that's going to trip people up. They're going to have a hard enough time understanding their own sin, even the desire to be saved, to to need a savior, to believe they're drowning in their own, you know, life without God, to believe that they're eternally separated. And he said, we preach Christ crucified, and that is a stumbling block to Jews. Interesting, right? Stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. The truth is that in the church, when we make things more complicated than they need to be, we distract people from the gospel of Jesus, right? I mean, it's hard enough to understand that God would give his son to die for me and to understand that I am so screwed up that I could not possibly be saved without him. That's hard enough. And then we say, meet me in a narthex. You're like, what? Where's the narthex? This message of the gospel is our primary call to preach the truth of Jesus. And, and, and that's what we go through all the time. What do, we, what do we have that we don't need to have? What do we put in the way that we don't need to put in the way? I mean, that's a long list of things, I'm convinced. It's a long list of things that we don't need to preach the gospel. Well, I hope it's an encouragement, and so I wanted to share another passage from you. I'm going to ask you to turn there. Keep your finger. We're going to come back to 6 in a minute, 2, 6, but keep your finger there and flip back to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at um, chapter 1, verses 2 through uh, 2. I'm sorry, letter 1, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. There you go. If you didn't bring a Bible today, it's going to be on page 794 of the Bibles that we provide for you. Um, I've got to get there myself. All right. So it's 2 Corinthians 2. Paul says this about his coming with the gospel, right? He says, When I came to you, my brothers, I did not come with eloquence, right, or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. I want to stop one second. He says, I didn't come with fancy words, I didn't come with great speech. And I, 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 you know, I read that, but I've read Paul's letters, and Paul's a great orator. 
I mean, well, he's a great writer. I mean, I can hear the voice of God in his writing, right? And, and I, I'm thinking, dude, if, when Paul showed up, it was a real deal. Like, he was bringing it. But he says, I didn't come with fancy words, eloquence, or superior wisdom that when I proclaimed the testimony about God. Verse 2, he says this, because I resolved to know nothing when I was with you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's a lot in there. I resolved to know nothing amongst you except for Jesus, this man who lived in our lifetime, the Messiah, the very Son of God who was put on a cross. That's all I came to talk to you about, plainly. Verse 3 says this, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with great trembling. I mean, this is Paul. You're thinking, Paul, you didn't come with great trembling. I've never seen Paul come anywhere with great trembling, but he says, I did. I came with great fear and trembling. Maybe that's encouraging to you as a church when we're wondering, you know, do we, do we share the gospel or, or churchy words? Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, <clears throat> Here it is. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, that's God's Spirit's power. Listen to why. So that your faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on the power of God. Right? I mean, Paul says, I didn't come in with eloquence. I didn't come in with big words. I didn't come in for the fancy you know, stuff, the building. I didn't come for that because I want your faith to be rooted not in all the stuff around Jesus, but in Jesus. Plain, simple. Sometimes, you know, you're on the highway and you see those signs, they just say Jesus, and you're like, man... You can do better than that, right? Like, that's almost a throwaway thing now, but it's not. It's the point. Jesus. Jesus Christ and him crucified. The, 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 the power of the Spirit of God, the reality that God is with us, moving among us, and demonstrating his love for us. And Paul says, this is how we come. Not, not with fancy words. I'm convinced because when he says, why would he say not with fancy words? Because that becomes a substitute, doesn't it? I think it does. I think sometimes the reason I'll use a word like sanctification is because I don't want to have to actually explain to you what a terrifyingly horrible process it is to become holy, to become more like Jesus in my life. So I say, well, we're being sanctified, huh? Or we're being transformed. God, through his Holy Spirit's amazing power, is changing us for his glory. And we sang about it today. Did you hear the words that we sang? Being transformed for him. Well, this is Paul's confession. I didn't come like that. I came in the power of God, and I, I'm convinced, and I, I just want, I don't know, what, and I'm not accusing us of anything, but are we even aware? Are we aware of the disconnect? Are we aware of the distance we put out when we use words that don't make any sense to anyone but ourselves? We can fall back on that, well, let God reveal it to him. Okay, 
you know, or we could just speak plainly. It's harder. It's harder. You know one of the hardest things I've found to explain the gospel to children? Right? I mean, give a children's message sometime. Take a passage and give a children's message. Because you don't get to use fancy words that makes you feel smart and makes everybody go, oh, good job, pastor, nice sermon. You know what I mean? You get to be like, it's Jesus. He died for you. And then you look at him and you go, you're a sinner? Children? Clear, concise, the power of God, dependence on his spirit. If you're not there, flip back to 2 Corinthians 6. I want to see, I want you to see then, okay? So if Paul says, man, it's not about nice words, it's not about fancy words, it's about the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. I want you to see what he says next in the same book to the same people in the same church. Picking up in verse 3 again, I'm going to reread it. Therefore, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry would not be discredited. That's what his goal was. We don't want anything to get in the way of you believing that Jesus came to forgive your sins and call you to his eternal kingdom. Here's what he says. Rather, Instead of doing that, instead of stumbling blocks, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Commend, he gives themselves over in every way. In great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, and imprisonment, and riots, in hard work, listen, in sleepless nights, and in hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, kindness, and in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with righteousness, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, listen, bad reports and good reports, genuine yet being called an imposter, known yet being recalled a stranger, dying and yet we live on, beaten, and yet we're not dead yet, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, but being rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything, the gospel, when there's nothing left, the gospel, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and we've opened wide our hearts. This is his ministry. And this is the way we come. And I, want, I hope you see it's not the way we try to do it. It's in the power of God. It's in the hope of forgiveness. It's in the cross of Christ that we come. It's the greatest possession we have. The truth is, I shared with you earlier, knowledge, yada, 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 builds us up or puffs us up. But love, Paul just defined love, builds us up. It's a gift to us.
Today, I'm going to ask the band to come back and we're going to worship with a few more songs. But I want you to hear Paul's words again from 2. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's right here. It's right now. And it's for you. And so as they come up, I'm going to say, if you, if you don't know Jesus, this is a God thing. And you can have this greatest gift, the gospel. You can have the Spirit of God in you. And it might look a lot like what Paul described, but it feels a lot like being eternally rich. Please join me in prayer if you would. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we've had today to experience you to know you, and to worship you. And Lord, you know us, which is so remarkable because when we come through that door, our sin is before us and we trip and we trip. And yet you pick us up and you love us and you tell us we're worthy and that's crazy. And so today we give you thanks and praise for that. I pray, Father, that if there are those here today that go, yeah, but that's not me, that they would stop believing the lie and believe the truth, that today is the day of salvation, that today is the day of your grace. And Father, for every heart and mind that comes to you, I pray it's not rooted in us or our stuff, but rooted in the gospel of Jesus, that in the day of trial, and they will surely come, that they will cling to you and nothing else, that they will cling to the promise that you made and nothing else you'll be glorified forever in Jesus' name. Amen.